0: The John Morris Show, Episode Fifty Five. Seven, six, five, you two, one. She'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother! You are now listening to the John Morris Show. My name is John Morris, Army veteran turned freelance web developer, and each week I bring you a fresh look into the latest news, advice and next steps for the self-made web designer and developer to help you reach your dream of coding for a living faster. Thanks for giving me some of your time today. Now, let the episode begin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Complete Web Developer Course by Rob Percival on udemy.com, where you can learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, MySQL, WordPress, mobile apps, and more inside one convenient course, so you can shortcut the time it takes to start earning your full-time income as a web developer. John Morris Show listeners can get an exclusive 85% discount on the course by visiting johnmorrisonline.com cwdc. That's johnmorrisonline.com cwdc. Hey everybody, John Morris here with JohnMorrisOnline.com and welcome back to The John Morris Show. This is episode number 55. We've got a great show for you today. I'm really excited about the show. I have some great things in store for you. We're going to be talking a little bit of news. You probably heard about the Miss Universe gaffe. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that and how it relates to web designers and developers and what we can Learn from that gaff. Also going to be talking a little Google password-free login. You may or may not have heard of this, but it's something that Google's testing out that uh, we'll want to pay attention to to see where this goes because if uh, this takes off, this could change the way web development is done in terms of logins and passwords and so forth. Also a little Star Wars. I think it's mandatory at this point. I have to talk about Star Wars. And I have to make some... Uh, kind of, I don't want to say lame, because I, I know people are trying, but uh, I have to make some Star Wars references, I think, or some Star Wars puns throughout the show. So we'll try and do that. In the mindset section, I actually have, I'm taking another tech. Normally, I talk about mindsets that I think are destructive. Today, I'm going to talk about one that I think you should adopt, and so this is actually based off a YouTube comment I got on one of my videos, and I really like the approach that this person is taking to this particular topic, and I think it's something that we could all emulate, and so I want to share that with you. i also going to be covering the six common PHP security issues and their remedies. Is it really worth trying Upwork? And, of course, as always, we'll dive into our Q&A. Now, as you probably know, this is holiday week, so I happen to be a Christmas celebrator. So if you're a Christmas celebrator, Merry Christmas to you. If you celebrate another uh, holiday during this event, I think there's Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and so forth, uh, happy holidays to you. I don't know them all, unfortunately. I apologize for that, but uh, I hope that this time of year is good for you regardless. Uh, I have been on vacation for uh, about a week now, and I have about another week of vacation, so I've been... Engaging in a little Star Wars binge because I'm gonna go see Episode Seven here at some point. Uh, I was intrigued. I was watching the first. It's the this is so weird with Star Wars. It's the first three that came out, but of course it's four, five, and six. And I was kind of taken aback at how bad those movies actually were. And I don't mean to be negative, but that especially the first one. It what uh, again? It was made in like the '70s. I understand it's a totally different time. It's really, really unfair to critique it from twenty thousand, or from twenty fifteen. But watching it in twenty fifteen was really, really hard. Uh, it was just a bad movie. Uh, two was a little bit better. I'm now uh, on episode six, or the third one that came out, and it is uh, looking better. So. Uh, it's been interesting to go back and watch those, so I'm excited to get through those. So uh, I need to do some catching up before I go to the movies and watch episode seven. So I'm probably gonna do that sometime this week or this weekend. So looking forward to that. Um, you know, normally in these openings, I do do a little bit of a uh, a rant uh, or or talk about something that's on my mind, and. One thing that's been on my mind lately, I've kind of seen this. It's a, just a feeling I get from all the comments and Twitter messages and so forth that I get. And so I wanted to address it. You know, 2015, it's a different world. You know, it, it kind of hit me a little bit watching the Star Wars movies, just how much different things are now from when they were then. But the the world today is different. The internet has really changed everything. And I think people just constantly underestimate you know, it, it's kind of people almost like to laugh at the internet and say, oh, the internet, it didn't, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But it really has has changed everything. And I think people underestimate it. And so, you know, it's hard to get out of this way of thinking. But today is just different. It's no, it's no longer good enough to put your head down and just be talented. Right? You can't just be good, really good at your job, and that's going to be enough for you to get where you want to get in your life, it's not enough. It just simply isn't anymore. There's so many talented people out there, being able to work remotely like I do. Uh, you know, every all the information and so forth. Everybody is so much more talented than they were because we just have so much more access to information, and the pool of competition is now so much bigger that simply being talented isn't enough. And what you need. If you really want to compete, and I don't care if you if you want to do freelance work, this is especially true for freelancers, but even if you want to, you know, if you want to go get hired at some company, the competition is stiffer. And so you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to go and do something above and beyond, take a, a next step uh and in my opinion, as you've probably heard me harp on, I don't know how many times before, you really need to be able to start producing content uh, and put yourself out there and that way. Simply to get attention. You need to get people's attention in order for them to then be able to want to work with you in whatever capacity. And the only way that you're going to get attention is by putting yourself out there. So you have to be willing to do that in order to make that. And I see a lot of people, especially in web design, web development, Community who are afraid to do that, and you know this kind of goes back to what I talked about last episode. There's a lot of negativity, and so it can be a little bit scary to try and put yourself out there when you know that there's a possibility of all this negativity, but you just got to do it anyway and deal with it. I mean, I actually just released a report on my site. If you're interested, you go johnmorrisonline.com/slash/reports, and it talks about hate mail, and I get a ton of hate mail. And that's okay. You know, I don't I don't necessarily do everything right when it comes to managing my mailing list. But uh, if I let the amount of hate mail and the things that people say in the hate mail that I get, uh I mean, I've had people who, you know, w- for can spam laws, you have to have your address at the bottom of every email. I've had people who have uh, vaguely threatened me essentially and have said, you know, I I have your address, I know where you live, blah blah blah, right? Now, I don't take it too serious, but uh, if I let if I paid attention to that, if I let that stop me, I'd never do anything and I'd never uh, I'd never have made it as far as I have. So you have to be willing to face that and put yourself out there anyway. So, again, something I just have kind of sensed in the community, certain people, because I talk a lot about creating content, how important that is. Uh, and I, I, I sense hesitation from people. They don't necessarily think it's important or they think it doesn't apply to them. Trust me. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It applies to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you just want to go get a job at the local PC shop. It matters, uh, because the competition pool is so much greater now. And you being someone who has put yourself out there and things that you can point to that you've done outside of just you, you, you having a degree, or, or you, you know this particular language, or whatever, showing that you can communicate, showing that you can be creative, and so forth, is going to give you a huge leg up. So, if you really want to compete at the highest level, you need to put yourself out there. Uh, you need to be creating content. You need to be gathering attention to yourself. All right. So, like I said, we got a great show coming up for you today. Coming up in the next section, we'll talk Miss Universe, Google's password-free login, and a little bit of Star Wars. You're listening to John Morris Show, JohnMorrisOnline.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Ebates, where you can earn cash back on your online purchases from major retailers like Amazon, eBay, Walmart.com, and more. John Morris Show listeners can get your free account by visiting JohnMorrisOnline.com slash Ebates. All right, welcome back to The John Morris Show on johnmorrisonline.com. Now, you probably heard about the Miss Universe gaffe. If not, I'll give you a little bit of a recap, but it's worth Googling to find the video. So, Steve Harvey, I was trying to think of his name. Steve Harvey was the host, and what happened was Miss USA was the second runner-up, Uh, Miss Columbia was the first runner-up, and then Miss Philippines was the actual winner. And he read it wrong, essentially. So he announced Miss Columbia as the winner. And what was really bad about it is not only did he announce her as the winner, but they put the sash on her. They gave her the flowers. They put the crown on her. She stood there, and everybody clapped for her for a couple minutes. And during all that, somebody in production must have noticed that he read it wrong and he went down off stage and was talking and he ended up coming back on stage and had to say, I'm sorry, I've made a mistake. The first runner up is Miss Columbia, Miss Universe 2015 is Miss Philippines. And uh, it was it was I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was bad. She watched the video. It was pretty bad, and you, you have to feel for Columbia because, <laughs> I mean, you 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 got the crown, you got the flowers, you got the sash. You've stood there and everybody's clapped and applause for you. They played the music, and all of a sudden, oh wait, sorry, you're not Miss Universe. So, and really Miss Philippines because, uh, I got cut off on the DVR a little bit, but, uh. You know they when they announced her, she came up, and she didn't get all that like you you normally would. They were just like, "Okay, Miss Philippines, take your walk," and they were trying to like get out of there as quick as they could. And so it was just a whole mess. Now you might think, "Okay, who cares? What does this have to do with me as a web designer, or web developer?" Over on the show notes page for johnjohnmorrisonline uh, dot com slash fifty five, I'm gonna post a picture of the card that he was reading off of, and this has kind of been passed around. You may have seen this a little bit. But when you look at the card that he was reading off of, suddenly it makes sense. You can kind of see how he messed it up. Especially if you recognize that he's maybe isn't someone who watches a lot of pageants, right? So he doesn't, the the second run-up, first run-up thing, maybe not immediately click to to him because he doesn't watch a lot of this stuff and he was asked to host. So... But the card, the way it was laid out, is it, it was kind of a you know a larger kind of index card, and over on the left hand side, and again you can see this over at johnmooresonline.com/slash/fifty-five. But over on the left hand side, it said second runner-up USA, uh, first runner-up Columbia, and then over on the right hand side, down at the bottom, it said Miss Universe 2015 in big bold letters, and then really 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 small below that, it said Philippines. Now, if you were to just glance at that card, it would be really, really easy to miss that Philippines was the winner. And it it kind of looks like at first glance, it took me a little bit to look at it when I first looked at it. But at first glance, it just looks like that's kind of a label for the card. It doesn't look like that's announcing who the winner is, especially because Philippines is so small underneath of it. So you you can see especially in a tense moment like that where he's on stage, maybe a little bit nervous and so forth, you can see how that could have happened. And so what this illustrates is the importance of good design. Because had that card been laid out more intelligently, then the mistake likely wouldn't have happened. And the picture I'm going to post is actually someone who kind of fixed the card essentially and said, this is how it should have been laid out. And look, it's not, it's not a fancy design. It's not. Uh, I think that's a mistake that people think, uh, make when they think about design, is that it has to be fancy. And that's, that's not necessarily what design is. Design's also about function. Yes, it needs to look good, but it also needs to function properly. And that card, if you look at it, uh, definitely did not function properly, in my and a lot of other people's opinion. So the Miss Universe gaffe is a lesson for us web designers and web developers about the importance of design and understanding that sometimes design is about simplicity and ease of use, not about how fancy we can make something look. And, and I would even go to say that most of the time it's about simplicity and function and function as opposed to making something fancy for fancy's sake. Okay. So Uh, It's an important lesson that I think we can all learn from. And if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend that you check out that photo. Also in the news, Google is beta testing a password-free login. So this is really interesting to me because it's kind of been known for a long time that passwords are the weakest part of any sort of applications or website security. Um, and it's kind of a single point of failure. And so Google is testing something to get around that. Now, it's in beta testing, so there's not necessarily a ton on how it works, but the basic idea is that instead of entering a password, when you go to log in, you respond to a notification that's sent to your smartphone. And so it's a little bit like the two-factor authentication authentication where you use the Google Authenticator to, uh, to authenticate, but it seems like it's trying to maybe streamline it a little bit. Now, I think this is something to pay attention to for web developers because if beta Google's beta testing goes well and they start to implement this across their sites, you can bet that this is going to become a trend uh in the next year or two among websites. And this is something that you're going to start people are going to start asking you to do when you build their websites. And so this is one of those things That if you're a smart developer, you notice and you pay attention to, and when you see it start to happen, you prep yourself beforehand to know how to do this so that when it hits and people start wanting this and it becomes that trend, you're already ready and you can capitalize on it. These things come up constantly. Uh, Things where you can kind of spot a trend maybe coming, you can prep yourself so that you can capitalize on it and then it hits and you're able to do that this is one of those things that I would pay attention to because it'll start off as something you can capitalize on. It'll be it'll be something like a feather in your cap that you can kind of broadcast. But if it does take off, it'll very, very quickly after that become something that everybody has to know how to do. And so you want to try to learn it beforehand and capitalize on it instead of learning it at the last minute when you absolutely have to. So pay attention to this. Uh, I guess is my point with this because this could become something quite a bit bigger than what it may seem like at first blush finally, like I said, I have to talk a little Star Wars, so I was just interested in the opening weekend numbers uh two hundred and forty seven million I think it was over five hundred worldwide for the opening weekend, which I guess broke broke uh record set by jurassic world um uh, So, pretty big opening for Star Wars on opening weekend. 9.5 rating on IMDb and 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not sure, and I haven't looked at every movie, so I'm sure there's some I missed, but I'm not sure I've ever seen a movie on Rotten Tomatoes at 95%. That's pretty high uh, from from what I've seen. So, I'm really excited to go see this movie. You guys can tell me if you're going to go see it or if you have seen it and what you thought of it if you think it deserves that 95% rating. All right, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about a mindset that I actually like and I think that we should all try to do more of. And I think this is something that if you were to, to, to take this and you were to apply this to the way that you do things, I think you're going to be able to get where you want to go a lot faster. Also coming up later we'll talk the 6 common PHP security issues and their remedies. We'll we'll talk is it really worth trying upwork and of course as always our Q&A. You're listening to John Morris show, johnmorrisonline.com. John Morris here for the complete web developer course by Rob Percival on Udemy.com. Now here's the deal with this. Do you ever get frustrated constantly searching the internet for tutorials to learn how to code? Are you worried that learning how to code is taking longer than it should? Do you just wish you could learn everything in one convenient place so you can get on with earning your living as a web developer? Well, that is exactly why Rob created the Complete Web Developer course. Everything you need to know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, jQuery, PHP, MySQL, WordPress, APIs, and mobile apps in one convenient course. And you know it works because Rob has over 183,000 students and the most five-star ratings of any course on Udemy. Now, here's the best part. John Morris Show listeners can get an exclusive, and this is just for you guys only, an exclusive 85% discount on the course simply by visiting johnmorrisonline.com slash C-W-D-C. So, look. Quit pulling your hair out trying to find good tutorials on the web. Do the smart thing and hit up my man Rob's complete web developer course with the slick 85% discount right now. Visit johnmorrisonline.com slash C W D C and you'll be all set. Hi, right, welcome back to the John Morris show on johnmorrisonline.com. This segment, we're going to talk a little mindset and I always think this is important because oftentimes the mindset stuff is the stuff that really holds people back and keeps them from uh, getting or having the progress that that they, they want in their career. So, this particular mindset is one that I like and I think we should all try and emulate. So, let me read this. This was over on a YouTube video of mine. This is from Nukesh Krishna and he said... Thanks, John. I did try the sites a few months back, referring to Upwork and Elance and so forth, but it went flatline. Actually, the employer was a fraud. After listening to this podcast, I would like to give it another try. I made a mistake and I jumped in on the first project that was offered to me without securing the terms and conditions of the projects or without a background check on the employer. But you have covered some very crucial points that a newbie like me should pay attention to. Now, what I like about this mindset is the ability to admit a mistake in execution. This is something that I see quite a bit. Being someone who offers advice online, I have people who will come back to me and say, hey, I tried what you said and it didn't work. But when I dig into it, what I find is often there's an error in the way that it was executed and that... The way that I had laid out, this is how you should do it, the person didn't necessarily follow that exactly. And so they had an issue. So what I like about this, again, is the ability to admit that there was an error in execution, to be able to admit, okay, I made a mistake in how I did this, take in new information and then try again. Because ultimately, that's what this game is. That's what web development is. That's what online business is. That's what freelance is. That's what really life is is the ability to have the courage to try something, analyze it very black and white, see if there were any mistakes made in execution, and then try again. It's a test-fail-try-again game, and you can't be afraid to break things. That was one of the big turning points that I made in my career, was getting to the point where I wasn't afraid to break things. Now, The reason I bring this up is because I do see that quite a bit. Again, in the questions and emails and so forth that I get, I can sense behind it people that are scared to try something different. I often get questions where my answer to the question really is, you know, you should try something different and see how it works. It feels to me like the person tried like the one thing that I exactly how I laid it out and maybe a tutorial or, or said in a podcast or whatever, and it didn't necessarily work for uh, in the way that they were hoping. And then that's it. They just stop and don't don't try anything else. Now, I can't say for sure if that's, you know, exactly what happened, but that's that's the sense I get, because usually the answer is just a matter of tweaking something small here or there and so you have to be willing to do that you have to be willing to constantly test fail and try again if you're going to get anywhere as a web developer and really if you're going to get anywhere in business or in life so again this is a mindset that I like that I think that we should all emulate and frankly I myself is a reminder to me to there's some areas that I in what I do that I see that, you know what, I need to do this myself. So very good reminder for me. Thank you, Newcash. All right, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk a little tech. We're going to get into the six common PHP security issues and their remedies. A little bit later, we'll be talking, uh, is it, or answering the question, is it really worth trying Upwork? And of course, as always, our Q&A. You're listening to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. Hey, everybody. As you probably know, I constantly harp on using content to help you grow your audience and build your credibility as a web developer, but your web presence is nothing without a great hosting provider. So if you haven't yet, get your website up and running with a fast, reliable, and well-supported web host, Bluehost, for less than 6 bucks a month. You can check it out and get Bluehost's best price over at johnmorrisonline.com bluehost. Hi, welcome back to the John Morris Show on johnmorrisonline.com. I am your host, John Morris. In this section, we're going to cover the six common PHP securities and their remedies. And so the first one is one that you're probably familiar with, which is SQL vulnerabilities. The second one is buffer overflows. The third one is cross-site scripting exploits. Four, error handling problems. Five, remote administration flaws and six session and cookie hijacking now this is a tutorial or a article over on phpclasses.org now if you go to johnmorrisonline.com 55 i'm going to link to the article there i highly recommend going over and taking a look at this i'm going to be diving into one of these a little bit but highly recommended to go through all six of these because the article over there does a good job of covering them and how to deal with them and really giving you kind of a good big picture of what you need to think of security wise. So if you're someone who's wondered, okay, what all do I need to know when it comes to security and PHP? You want to check out that article. Again, you can find the link over at So I'm going to dive in specifically to SQL vulnerabilities. It's a little bit more of a common topic and one that I get asked about quite a bit. So from the article, the first thing in dealing with SQL vulnerabilities is data validation. So having some way of validating the data that's being input. So There's a number of of kind of ways that you can do this. Generally speaking, you have the process of whitelisting and you have the process of blacklisting. So whitelisting is these are the kinds of, this is the kind of data that we will accept. So it's kind of a positive approach. And blacklisting is this is the kind of data we won't accept. And so it's more of a negative approach, eliminating things as opposed to allowing things through. Now, over in the article, they give you know they give some ideas for doing that, and there's a number of ways that you uh, can handle it. So definitely worth checking out the article. Next is to escape possibly valid data. So the data that you do let through, then you still want to make sure and escape it and get uh, get rid of potentially dangerous characters and information inside of that. Now, when it comes to SQL. The most common way to do that is prepared statements, and using MySQLi or PDO is the way to go there. Now, I have a whole series or a whole playlist over on YouTube on using MySQLi and PDO with prepared statements and doing this. So, I'm not going to dive too much into that. You can find that on my YouTube channel if you go to johnmorrisonline.com slash YouTube. I'll also link to that. Uh, playlist on the show notes page for this episode, johnmorrisonline.com slash 55. Another one is to make sure and use the most up-to-date methods that are available. So a good example of this, and again from the article, is the password hash function. So if you've taken my login tutorial, you know that when that was written, this function didn't exist. And so I show you how to use salts and uh, nonces and all sorts of things to in order to hash your password before you store it into a database, which is, again, a security thing that you want to do. Well, PHP has come out with a password func- hash function that actually does all that. And so it's much more secure than really any custom method that you could come up with. And so using that method, is a that's a security best practice and so again using the most update up-to-date methods that are available uh, using the ones that are recommended so that you're always up to date with the latest uh, and and those things are always accounting for the latest threats and so forth the next one is this is an interesting one to me to remove the technical details from error messages and so uh, this is one that i maybe off the top of my head wouldn't have thought of but it, it's a good one because a lot of times the error messages that you see will include a database name or a table name or field name, etc. And so a smart hacker can see that and it's just it's more information that they have that they might be able to use in order to attack your site. Now, you know anybody in the security business knows that it's not about... A hacker doesn't get all of their information from one place. You can't assume that a hacker is only getting that one piece of information because yes that piece of information alone may not allow them to hack your site but when it's coupled with other information that they have you know piecing those together is ultimately how your site gets hacked and so you just you want to take as much away from them as you can so removing the technical details from error messages is one way to do that now you can either turn off error messages altogether or you can create your own custom error messages that don't display those sorts of details. So that was a good one that I didn't wouldn't immediately have thought of uh, if you had asked me. Finally, limiting permissions. This is kind of a standard, maybe uh, a security best practice that's been around for a little bit longer. But you know, with a database, it has privileges. Certain users can do certain things, and so limiting those privileges in certain uh, scenarios so that they can't do things like, for example, drop, right? They can't drop your whole table or delete, things like that, and, and just using permissions wisely throughout your application. So those are some of the recommended uh, remedies for SQL vulnerabilities. I thought that was a a really good list. Of course, for all of the other, the five other PHP security issues They have a list of remedies just like the one that I went through. So again, highly recommend going and checking out this article over on PHP classes: the six common PHP security issues and their remedies. And of course, you can find the link over on the show notes page for this episode at johnmorrisonline.com/slash/fifty-five. All right, coming up next: is it really worth trying Upwork? We're gonna answer that question. I have an answer to that that given my constant support for or push to have you freelance might surprise you a little bit. Also, later in the show, we'll be doing our Q&A as always. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. So I just realized something. I'm always harping on how important creating blog content is for getting new clients to your web design business. But what if you don't have a blog and you're not sure how to get one set up? Well, don't worry because I've just created a new tutorial on how to start your blog in less than 15 minutes. So in less than 15 minutes from now, you could have your blog up and running and creating content that's going to help you attract new clients for your web design business. In order to take this tutorial, you want to head on over to JohnsBloggingTutorial.com. Again, that's Johns Blogging tutorial. Head on over and let's get your blog started today. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. I am your host, John Morris. Now we're going to ask, is it really worth trying Upwork? And I thought, or this came up because our comment from earlier from Kukesh Krishna or Nukesh Krishna was on this particular video. And I was looking through the comments a little bit, and the the video actually has quite a few really good comments on it. This it's worth checking out this video just to see the comments, to be honest. And so, again, as I've mentioned several times, I'll link to that over on the show notes page at JohnMorrisOnline.com/slash/fifty-five. But uh, answering that question, is it really worth trying Upwork? Well, my answer on the video and here is is really the same, and that answer is yes, but. And so <laughs> there's reasons why I say yes, and there's reasons why I say but. And the reasons why I say yes. Well, first off, there's a lot of projects on these sites, right? And so you can use them in a number of ways. Now, you've probably heard me talk about how you should get off them as, as, as soon as possible. There's a lot of competition, et cetera. However, there's also a lot of projects. And so if you approach it the right way, you can really use these sites to help build your business. So there's a, a number of ways that you can do that. First, you can build your reputation. So you can get clients. You can start building a reputation. Those clients will have people that they work with. If you do a good job, you can start getting referrals. And you can start tapping into that net networking or network effect right away by just getting some jobs on there and doing a really good job. It's worth taking a low price to start out with in order to just get the job and establish a relationship with a client uh, have them maybe give you some referrals and start building up your reputation. Next, you can just get good at working with clients. Working with clients is a different skill than knowing how to code. They're two separate skills. So no matter how good at coding you are, it's not going to make you good at working with clients. You have to actually practice working with clients in order to get good at it. And so these sites give you the opportunity to do that. Again, it's worth... Maybe taking a little bit of a pay cut to start in order to get that experience and get good at working with clients. So they can help you do that. They can also, probably one of the most most important things, they can help you learn what you enjoy doing. Most people when they start off in web development like the learning aspect of it. They like learning new things and they don't necessarily know what they're going to like doing long term day in and day out delivering for clients or delivering for a boss. Freelancing helps you do that. This is really the number one reason why I recommend everybody freelance because it helps you understand what you enjoy doing and then you can get really good at doing that one thing. And so again, these sites can help you do that. You can also get testimonials from them. I still have testimonials on my Hire Me page that came from some of the first work that I did over on Elance. You get those testimonials. They're an asset that will serve you for years and years to come. So you can get those on freelance sites. It can also help you prospect for long-term clients. I kind of alluded to this before, but you don't want to have your entire business based around these freelance sites. One of the ways that you do that is that you prospect for long-term clients and eventually uh, they just go move to hiring you directly instead of going through the freelance site. A lot of them will ultimately do that. Now, I know that the, the freelance sites frown on that. It's against their terms of service, I believe. But at the end of the day, clients do what clients want to do. And so if they uh, if they decide that they want to hire you outside the freelance site, there's really nothing that, that you can do about that. So it's a good place to prospect for those sorts of long-term clients. And even if you continue to go through the freelance site, that's fine. You, it's still a client who's going to, Create a project on there just for you, invite only you to it, uh, and then manage it all through there. So it's a good place to do that. So that's the yes. Now there's the but, which is, and I've mentioned this, but you should never look to get all your business from these sites. And in fact, you should be looking to get off them as quick as possible. And the reason is simple. They're highly, highly competitive, and they're designed to make you compete on price and so you're always going to end up making less working more that's what they're designed to do these sites are not for you as much as they say they are they're not for you they're for the clients now how do you know that because the clients are the ones paying the money and so whoever's paying the money ultimately controls the transaction or the relationship so these design these clients are real uh these sites are really designed for the clients they're designed to make you compete make you lower your prices make you do more for less uh, and so you want to get off them as quickly as possible so if you approach it doing the things that i mentioned in the first part building your reputation getting good at working with clients getting testimonies etc you can take all of that over to your own website and leverage it to start getting clients through your own website build up your reputation getting referrals and so forth that way so that you're not tied to these freelance sites. So is it really worth trying Upwork? Yes, it is. And if you're new, you should absolutely do it. But look to get off of them as quick as possible and start doing everything through your own website. All right, coming up next, we're going to dive into our Q&A. I have a Ruby's on Rail question, the front-end development question, and then I have a question related to a YouTube video posted about your passion for coding. That's what's coming up next. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. A quick question for you. Are you running a WordPress site? If so, then I want to recommend to you the premium WordPress hosting service, WP. Engine Now, what makes WP Engine different than a lot of web hosts out there is that it's designed specifically for WordPress with advanced caching and security implementation to keep your WordPress website up and running and running as fast as possible. And we all know how important speed is on the web these days. So if you're running WordPress and you don't have WP Engine yet, be sure to give it a look. You can get their best price at com slash WP Engine. Again, that's com slash WP Engine, all one word. Check them out. You're going to love your WordPress hosting. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, com, and this is our Q&A segment. So I've got three different questions here that we're going to kind of pop through uh, fairly quickly because I know that you probably are busy and I don't want to take up too much of your time here. So first question is, do you ever work with Ruby and Rails and should I essentially learn Ruby on Rails? So the answer to that question is I have not. I've never used Ruby on Rails. So I probably can't give you too good of an answer on the details of Ruby on Rails. However, I have talked with people who have used Ruby on Rails and worked with it a little bit. And so have some uh, insight into what it would be good for and what it wouldn't be good for. And the most common thing that I've heard that it's good for is actually learning object oriented programming. Now it's not necessarily Ruby on Rails that you have to learn. It could be in a PHP framework, but some sort of framework type system like this, because these are written using object oriented programming. And so you're forced to use it when you use these systems and so you get really really good at doing it now i a lot of this comes from an article i read uh, a few years back from a guy who had started building a project in php had got sick of it moved over to ruby on rails because he thought okay i'll be able to do everything easier on ruby um because a lot of the stuff was built in he was able to build like ninety percent of his project with it, but that last ten percent was a bear because, uh, as I think anybody developer who's you know worked a while in PHP will tell you, most of those frameworks are really really good for what they're designed to do, but when you start trying to do things outside of what's actually built into them, they can get fairly tricky and. That's exactly what this guy experienced and ended up going back to PHP. But when he came back, he had a much better understanding of object-oriented programming and how to build an actual application, not just put a bunch of code together. And then he was able to knock out his P- his project in PHP fairly quickly and got it launched. And so my perspective, and again, I'm not an expert on Ruby, so this is a very, very limited perspective. But since you're asking me, My perspective is that's what Ruby on Rails would be good for, especially as you mentioned, you're someone who started out learning PHP. It would be good to learn how to build an actual application, learn object-oriented programming, and then be able to apply what you learn to maybe a little bit more flexible language like PHP. All right, second question is, what exactly should I learn for front-end development? Now, this is always a hard question to answer because what exactly you should learn is based off of what it is that you're going to do long term and so we can go back to some of the stuff uh some of the videos and stuff i mentioned earlier uh one i'm going to talk about up here uh, here in just a minute but you really have to identify what you enjoy doing first and what you can do long term and then take that and figure out okay what languages and and things do I need to learn in order to be able to do this thing that I really enjoy? So maybe you enjoy, like I did, building membership sites. Well, the things that you need to learn for that are going to be different than maybe you enjoy building really nice forms for corporate clients, right? Those are They're two different things, and they require a completely different skill set. So you got to figure that out first. Now, in general, what I would say is you're going to need to learn HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. But... You probably already know that. Beyond that, I think, and I know people in the web development community have this, you know, there's still a lot of people that have this heartburn for WordPress, but WordPress has a large market share, like 20, 25% of all websites run WordPress. It's a huge market. You're going to be asked to do WordPress stuff at some point, or you're going to cut yourself off from a lot of business if you don't. So, I would learn WordPress themes. Now that requires not just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. There's some PHP in there for sure, but it's it's really kind of front end oriented. And so I would learn how to build WordPress themes. That'll open you up to a huge market. There's entire multi million dollar businesses that all they do is build WordPress themes. So uh, that's a big piece. Bootstrap again, it's the framework everybody loves to hate, but it's used very very heavily. I would say fairly easily the most common one out there. And so I would learn it and learn how to to use it uh, in your projects because you're going to have people that want to do it. And it does make your life easier. If you're not going to get too picky about, you know, there's people who will, you know, go on and on and on and on about the fact that bootstrap is a few kilobytes bigger. And I know I'm minimizing that greatly. I know it's, but what it actually does, it's very, very handy. So you could pick a different framework, but Bootstrap's the most popular one. So my advice is always to stick to that stuff because there's just going to be a lot more work available for you. Finally, I would learn some graphic design. Uh, A big part of front-end development uh, is the design part of it. And you you can maybe even throw in UI, UX design in there, but uh, that kind of whole area of graphic design, UI, UX, etc., I would get good at that because ultimately that's what people are, that's what they're paying you for. The languages, they're not they are not paying you for the languages. They're paying you to make a website that looks and functions really, really well. This goes back to talking about Steve Harvey and Miss Universe, right? Somebody did not do some good UI, UX on that card. Uh, and so learning that stuff is going to allow you to be able to create applications and websites and so forth that function well, and that's gonna give you that reputation that we talked about uh, when it came to freelance sites and so forth. Whether you're on those sites or not, uh, that's gonna help you do that. So those are the things that I would recommend learning. That's a handful in and of itself. There's probably some other stuff that you could throw in there, but if you learn that stuff, you'll be in pretty good shape. All right, final question then comes from, a video I did a, w- a while back on, have you lost your passion for coding? is the name of the video. I will, of course, link to it on the show notes page at johnmorrisonline.com 55. And in that, I've ask to, i asked you to identify you, uh, your talents. And this is a part of a process that I have people go through of identifying their talents, their passions, and so forth to help figure out what they should ultimately pursue. We were kind of talking about earlier, you have to first find out what you enjoy doing well, this is kind of the process that I, I walk people through. And you can see that over on the video. But uh, he responded with his talent list saying, and, and I want to address this because I want to, it's not the specifics here, it's more about the process. So he says, here's my talent list. It's HTML, CSS3, web design, Photoshop, writing and typing fast, talking with and helping people and comforting them is a passion of mine, long distance running, playing piano, drawing, writing lyrics, and basketball. All of these are art heavy. Uh, Thank you so much for helping for this. You're helping me greatly. I need to know, this is the key point. I need to know how to combine all of these into one brand or thing. And that's, to me, that's a mistake in the process. And that's why I want to address this. The idea here isn't to take all of these things and combine them into one thing. I, I think you would have a really hard time Combining all of these things into one brand or one thing. Okay, the idea here is you list out all of your talents, you list out all of your passions, uh, you and and you go through the process. There were like three or four different things that I had you list out, and you look for common denominators across that list. So if playing piano shows up on all four of those lists, well then that's a key piece. That you can look at and say, okay, playing piano is something that I should should look at. If HTML5 and CS3 and web design and so forth shows up on all four of those, that's a key thing that you should look at and pull out. And so when you do that, you'll end up with maybe three to five things that are on all of your lists. And then you look at those and see, okay, is there a way to combine these? There may not be, but is there a way to combine these? So let's say that. HTML or let's just call it web design. Let's say web design is on all four lists, writing is on all four lists and playing piano is on all four lists. Well, maybe you could create a blog using your web design skills where you write using your writing skills about playing piano, right? That would tap into all of those different things. And then you build you build a website yourself. You write all the content yourself and you show pe- people how to play piano. Maybe that's something you could do, or you could create a site where you, you actually record your music and put it up online. So that's really the point here: is to go through that process and identify things that show up across all uh, of the different kind of processes that I have you go through, and then see if there's a way to combine them. If there's not a way to combine them, right? There may not be, right? It may be basketball, playing piano, and drawing. That may be difficult to combine all of those things. And so it's okay. You can maybe then pick one that you're most passionate about or that you're most talented in. Pick one to start off with and pursue it. And then see if there's other ways that you can incorporate the other things into your life simply as hobbies. So maybe you do web design for work. You play piano as a hobby. Maybe you have a a, a blog that's a hobby blog where you talk about playing piano and maybe you play some basketball as a hobby. Okay, so that's okay to do. But ultimately, the idea uh, was to help you hone in on what it is that you really enjoy doing, you're passionate about, it's important to you. So that you can really clue in on the things that are, are, are going to be something that when you pursue them, you'll be willing to put in the work to be the best in the world at them. All right, so... I wanted to just make sure and cover that because I don't want that process to—I don't want it to be misleading and to get off track with that process. All right, so that'll wrap it up for this episode. This episode number fifty-five. Again, you can find the show notes page over at JohnMorrisOnline.com/slash/fifty-five for all of the links that we mentioned throughout the show. If you have a question comment or suggestion for the show you could shoot me an email at john at john on more john com and i will do my best to incorporate those into the show also if you like the show i would really appreciate it if you'd give it a like that lets me know that you like this kind of content and want more of it also if you wouldn't mind sharing it with any of the communities or people that you think it will benefit i would really really appreciate that if you haven't yet you can subscribe on YouTube, johnmorseonlinecom slash YouTube. Also on iTunes, JohnMorrisOnline.com slash iTunes. SoundCloud, again, JohnMorrisOnline.com slash SoundCloud. And soon, we are on Google Play. I don't know if you've heard, but Google Play is going to be releasing a podcast system directly in Google Play where you can subscribe to podcasts right there inside of Google google play they're going to be launching that soon i've already submitted and had my podcast approved so soon if you're on android you'll be able to subscribe right subscribe right inside google play of course i don't have a link for that yet because it's not released but once i do i'll be sure to mention that finally you can always find all of my tutorials podcast episodes and more on john morrisonline.com at jpmorris on twitter and youtube.com slash john video I appreciate you joining me today, giving me a little bit of your time. Hopefully, you got a ton out of this episode, and I will talk to you next week. Hey, everybody. Here's a quick one for you. We all know how important creating blog content is to attract new clients to your web design business, but oftentimes, those first few members of your audience can be difficult to get. Well, I want to help try and get you over that hump and help you get your first few followers. Now, I have an audience of over 20,000 YouTube subscribers, email list subscribers, and roughly 30,000 visitors to my website each and every month, and I'd have no problem promoting your website to that audience and helping you get those first few visitors. Now, to get the details on this, you'll have to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash publicity, but you'll need to do it before you actually start your blog. So head on over to JohnMorrisOnline.com slash publicity and let me help you get those first few visitors and those first few members of your audience.